faithwire.com. Missing 22-year-old Gabby Petito's body has been found. There is a manhunt underway for missing boyfriend Brian Laundry, and we have the shocking 911 call that's just been released that sheds a lot of light on what happened. Today's Monday, September 20th, 2021. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have this top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faith Wire. Four big stories, three things you need to know about them, all from a Christian perspective. That's what we do here. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. We're here every day. We'd love to have you with us. Uh, Joining me as always, Trey Gons Phillips from faithwire.com with a quick look at what's coming up. What's going on, Trey? Hey, Dan. You know, isn't September 20th like the first day of fall or the last day of summer or something like that? I think it's the last day because I think the 21st, right, is the... Yeah. Is the... uh, the, Is when it ends. I always thought it was the 21st, so it's 20th or 21st. Either way. But it's... But it's still burning up hot here in Central Virginia. So I don't know. I don't know about where you are in Pennsylvania, but it's it's still pretty hot here. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, so coming up on the podcast today, we're going to talk about Glenn Beck. Uh, he's found an unlikely partner in the Middle East, as the State Department, according to him, has been blocking the Nazarene Fund's efforts to rescue refugees out of mm-hmm. Afghanistan. Uh, we have shock images that show tens of, uh, th- tens of thousands of Haitian migrants. Uh, just baking out there in the in the Texas heat and, and what's going on there at the border. Uh, and then actor Christopher Palaha, he's opening up about his faith and how he sees Hollywood as his mission field. Uh, that's in a new interview with Faithfire, which we'll preview at the end of the podcast. All right. All looking forward to those stories. And we're going to start here uh, with story number one. The young woman who went missing while taking a van YouTubing vlog adventure her body has been found. Here's three things you need to know, starting with number one, the details. Gabby Petito, the 22-year-old from New York who went missing on September 11th after her mother, not her boyfriend, who was traveling with her, called her called her as uh, missing. Law enforcement authorities confirmed over the weekend they discovered a body matching the description of the 22-year-old travel blogger. And during a news conference yesterday, the FBI revealed agents discovered that body in the Bridger Teton National Forest in Moose, Wyoming. And they said it was consistent with the description of Gabby Petito. The cause of death hasn't yet to be determined, but Joseph uh, Petito, her father, he posted a brief but poignant tweet Sunday evening after learning of his young daughter's body being found. And it was a beautiful picture of her standing in front of one of those walls that has the angel wings. It just says she touched the world. So obviously praying for that father and that family there as kind of their worst fears have been realized. Her brother had set up a GoFundMe um, to to help with the search. And so um, that is in our article on faithwire.com. You can, you can uh, take a look at that, but um, they, they basically are going to uh, now that she's obviously been found, they're going to transfer that money to help pay for any legal fees or any of the search related costs that are still out there. And then for the family as well, and then anything left over, they'll they'll donate to charity. So, um, so number two here, this is kind of where this story's going now. Trey, her boyfriend Brian Laundrie, has since gone missing, and how authorities allowed him to slip out of their sight is still not known. And you know, Florida police have been now looking for him since he didn't uh, return from a hike in a nearby preserve. Uh, this was kind of last week. And so Internet sleuths have been watching his Instagram account, though, and it's been he's been busy deleting old posts and friends and things like that. 
And uh, interestingly, his last post, uh, this is kind of more a side note than anything, is kind of on, this is I think back on August 13th, he posted it on, it was basically like environmentalists, and it really dives into, it's kind of like a Romans 125 mindset, sort of like, you know, worshiping the creation. He's talking about our culture, having put itself above all living creatures, meaning people. And so he said, you know, we, we create needs purely to support destructive economic practices, saying trees don't need Apple watches and microwave ovens, et cetera. Uh, he said, you rarely see geese riding jet skis or wearing designer clothing either. I think if we all want breathable air and drinkable water, we all need to learn how to live with less. Um, given now what we think pretty much happened, I mean, it's looking inevitable. Obviously, everyone's innocent until proven guilty. But if there's anyone that looks guilty, it's this guy after, you know, she went missing yeah. and then he just shows up in the van without her. Um, obviously all tragic stuff. And the breaking news today, Trey, was the uh, 911 call. Because if we all remember, there was the body cam of their d domestic dispute, which was basically their van being the domestic part of that equation. And so now that call has been released. Here's 49 seconds of it. And uh, this is someone calling in, seeing this couple arguing before she went missing. Listen to this. Grant County Sheriff's Office. Were you able to get a description of the investigation? Hi, can you hear me, sir? Yeah, I can hear you. Hi, uh, I'm calling. I'm right on the corner of Main Street by Moonflower, and we're driving by, and I'd like to report a domestic dispute in Florida with a white van, Florida license plate, white land, gentleman, Where's about five, six beard. They just drove off. They're going down Main Street. They made a, uh, a right onto Main Street from Moonflower. Or what were they doing? But um, what do you say? What were they doing? Uh, we drove by and the gentleman was slapping the girl. He was slapping her? Yes, and then we stopped. They ran up and down the sidewalk. He proceeded to hit her, hopped in the car, and they drove off. And so that's the call right there. Obviously, the context there of the call sounds like he's abusing her and... and um, there's, no. you know, obviously officers have to do their due diligence and find out what's going on, regardless of what exactly the caller says. And so they're, you know, in the body cam, they're interviewing, but they separate them. They're interviewing both. So obviously horribly tragic to look back on that now and see that he was hitting her. Um, you don't see, you don't get any of that vibe when you're watching their travel log videos. Um, mm. so just sad all around, but number three, Trey, why does it matter? Well, look, justice matters as Christians, you know, God, God's a, a just God, so we should also, as his creation, care about justice. And so we might not always be the ones who kind of deliver some sort of legal justice or you know, setting the record straight here. It doesn't always happen on our terms here on earth, but um, as his creation, we should certainly value it. And while yeah. we'll pray for Brian to repent of anything he may have done wrong in this situation, which, of course, we don't know for sure, but it sure looks like he did, um, we pray for him to repent because God can forgive anyone, but for the family's sake, we're just praying most of all for justice to be done here um, and so that yeah. they can get some more closure on what actually happened. Yeah, you know, as a Christian, whenever this kind of stuff happens, I always, you know, you first hope that the victim was a believer, you know, mm -hmm. the, that they knew Christ. Um, and that if they didn't, that that this these kind of situations will somehow 
you know, we know God can use them. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit will compel the the ones left behind, the loved ones, the family members, significant others, whatever. Uh, that maybe the Holy Spirit will use the, these instances to to just compel them to be drawn to God. Uh, so, you know, I hope that that's what happens here. If they're not believers, that God will, um, you know, open their eyes, use the Holy Spirit to open their eyes to their own sin, their own depravity, uh, and, and, and the hopelessness just of this, of this temporary life. Mm. Right. And, and yeah. hopefully, um, hopefully this will be something that God, we know God can use it for good. Uh, we hope that, that, that will be the outcome here. And, but yeah, definitely all eyes right now seem to be on Brian laundry and trying to figure out where he is, what's going on. And I there were several, uh, Instagram sleuths, uh, who've yeah. been looking at, uh, at his posts and they said like, even the last two posts, which are from early August, uh, were taken from like, kind of like, it looks like he sat the camera on a rock or something. Cause they're right. angled up right. um, and saying, you know, so, so the, the, the question is if she was murdered or if Gabby, you know, something bad happened here, how long ago did it happen? And that's just something that the police are going to have to investigate. But again, as believers, I think our focus shouldn't be on the gossipy side of this stuff. Yeah. It should just be on, um, you know, praying for, for justice. Like you said, Dan, uh, we know that, that at the, in the end, whether it's on this side of, of heaven or not, uh, you know, justice will be done, uh, but you know, just be, be in prayer for the family because, what what a nightmare particularly as parents to be enduring yeah so all right story number two Uh, so conservative talk radio host glenn beck he announced sunday via twitter that nearly 100 refugees held at the mazar-e-sharif airport in northern afghanistan have safely evacuated the area uh, a victory owed at least in part to the prime minister of pakistan Mm. Kind of an unlikely, unlikely yeah. duo there, Glenn Beck and the Prime Minister of, of <laughs> Pakistan. Uh, so here are three things you need to know. We'll start number one with the details. So the group included 32 FIFA soccer players uh, and their families, as well as members of religious minorities who would face you know, certain persecution at the hands of the Taliban. Uh, so in a statement, Beck expressed gratitude to Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan, whom he said transcended religious differences, political divides, national boundaries, and local dynamics to save men, women, and children, innocent victims facing certain suffering, hardship, or worse, if left behind in a war-ravaged country where uncertainty, misunderstanding, and suspicion remain prevalent. Uh, Beck went on to say that his leadership, referring to Khan, uh, of placing humanity before, before politics is a great example of interfaith cooperation between the faiths, bridged by the shared value of human compassion. Prime Minister Khan's tireless leadership, supported by the military and civilian resources of Pakistan, and their ability to cooperate with the Taliban has enabled the first of two flights to depart Mazir-e-Sharif uh, with FIFA female athletes and their families on board in keeping with their unequivocal pledge to allow civilian allies of NATO forces to depart safely if they wished uh, to do so. So that's just a- an awesome update. I'm glad that those uh, planes have safely left Afghanistan. Mm. Uh, so number two here, Beck said that the operation was successful thanks least of all uh, to the U.S. State Department, uh, which he claims has blocked the Nazarene Fund literally at every step of the way, uh, which they, you know, the Nazarene Fund, which is paid for by all kinds of donors around the country. Uh, it's tens of millions of dollars have been raised over the last month or so. Uh, they've been working to get, uh, you know, at-risk people, Christian and otherwise, 
uh, out of Afghanistan and, of course, get Americans back here to the States. Uh, Beck even said that the U.S. ambassador to Uzbekistan, Daniel Rosenblum, stopped Nazarene-fund airplanes from landing in Uzbekistan, uh, which forced the rescue team to redraw their plans, uh, which is kind of how they ended up uh, partnering with, uh, with Khan. So Beck said that he reached out to Khan on September 6th. In that letter, he told the prime minister he was contacting him in hopes that some sort of leadership could be found to help us do the impossible. So number three, why does it matter? Like the U.S., it appears, has left a serious vacuum in the mm -hmm. Middle East. Uh, it's encouraging to see, though, that there are organizations like the Nazarene Fund and others. Glenn has been been clear in, in crediting other organizations. He said, we're just, yeah, I think he said on his radio show uh, the other day, he said, I just have a loud mouth. <laughs> there are a lot of <laughs> there are a lot of organizations, you know, working alongside us doing this work as well. Uh, so it's it's encouraging to see them doing this kind of stuff, even though obviously we know they shouldn't have to. Uh, so Beck, in his letter to Khan, said that it was his Christian faith that compelled him to reach out uh, on a matter of human compassion. To you know, Beck said that about reaching out to a, a Muslim leader uh, you know, in the Middle East. So it's great to see people with such vastly different faiths, Dan, and lifestyles. You know, working together to do the right thing. Yeah. We need to hear more of those kind of stories, and I'm hoping that that partnership uh, will continue because. Sadly, it doesn't seem like, you know, these humanitarian organizations like the Nazarene Fund are getting the kind of support they should be getting from yeah. our government. Yeah. And um, I think one of the other things Glenn mentioned in that thread, and, and I didn't catch if you mentioned this as well, but um, the, he, Glenn said that that there were a lot of Americans on these planes. We're going to hear more stories of yeah. the, the types of people and how this all went down and how they how they were managed to get out of there um, in the coming days. And so. Um, you know, we at CBN and Faithwire have been in touch with um, the Nazarene Fund and, and Glenn's team over there, and uh, they're not ready to talk yet on a lot of the details of the operation. And it's going to be interesting to hear those stories, because as you said, Glenn's been very critical of the State Department here, and yeah. yet they're still managing. And, and I, we, we've reported on the Underground Railroad in Afghanistan, and I think a lot of these reports are yet to come. Because hmm. they can't say anything right now because they don't want to jeopardize the the operations. So um, just just incredible stuff that's happening right now. And so uh, continued prayers that anybody in danger there, as Dave Eubank said on CBN last week to Chris Mitchell, that they're hunting down anyone who they view as sort of not being part of the Taliban. So and then executing. Yeah. So horrible, horrible situation over there. Glad to see some good come out of it. Uh, so good job there from Glenn and the team over there. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's head on over to story number three. And during the previous administration, there was a lot of talk in the media about the border crisis and kids in cages and things like that uh, happening down at the border. Very critical. Now it appears to be more of an afterthought in the mainstream media. Meanwhile, as tens of thousands of Haitians are being sent back to the country because we're seeing pictures of them burning alive out there in the Texas heat um, just under a bridge. They actually have to move the camps, encampments every so often because the sun shifts and they're trying to keep them out of the sun. And we've seen some on faithwire.com. We have them, these images where you can see the makeshift tents that they've made to try to shield themselves from the sun. And this is Texas. So if you've ever been down to Texas, it's, I mean, it's hot. I mean, it is hot down there. So um, here's three things you need to know, starting with number one, the details. So it's being called the largest expulsion of migrants by the U.S. in decades. 
Uh, earlier this morning, the first group of more than 10,000 migrants who were trying to seek asylum uh, under that Texas bridge, they had to go back to Haiti. Um, and so the U.S. is flying these Haitians that have been underneath this bridge uh, in the Texas border town of Del Rio back to their homeland and trying to block others from crossing the border. We're seeing dramatic video of border agents on horseback jumping into these rivers and, you know, trying to block them and saying, go back. You know, we can't let you in. You're just going to get sent back anyway. Uh, Border Patrol agent Brandon Judd told CBN that we've never seen anything like this, that this is completely and totally out of the norm from anything we've ever seen. And the crowds are just so massive. You could see them from far away. They're just crossing the river where there's a little dam so that it's low enough they can walk. Um, but these, the interesting t- thing too here, Trey, these Haitian, Haitian migrants, um, this is, they're not just coming because of the earthquake that happened there recently or the political turmoil that happened there recently. These are, a lot of them are Haitian migrants who had already been living in Central and South America and had been there for a while and then, you know, came up. It's unclear at this point what the exact trigger was that made such a large number come at once. Uh, but yeah. they don't want to go back to their home country because of, as I, uh, the aforementioned un, un instability there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Biden administration is still going to send them back. The Haitian government doesn't want them either. They they uh, told uh, the New York Times that Haiti's asking for the U.S. to have a humanitarian moratorium on the deportation. So, but despite that. Uh, the U.S. is sending 600 more border agents to Texas to speed it up, uh, sending them back. So number two on this one, um, it's the blame game. You have Senator Ted Cruz. They're blaming the White House for triggering this crisis uh, by announcing the suspension of Haitian deportations on September 8th. So that was something that happened. So uh, here you have just a few days, you know, a couple weeks ago, this this announcement. And then there appears to be a caravan coming shortly after that. And, you know, it kind of makes sense, but it's hard to say for sure uh, until we see some more reporting on the ground from what people are saying there that uh, have made their way. Because they had been living in South America and I guess Chile and others had accepted them and said, it's fine, we'll, we'll take them. Uh, and so then they get that potential signal from the, crew, uh, from the um, Biden administration, as Cruz points out, and it looks like there was an influx. So number three, why does it matter? Well, look, we, we've got to be consistent here. Either we care about migrants or we don't. Those who virtue signaled last year about this issue but are silent now, why? What has changed? That would be the question I have to ask. And that's kind of the most frustrating thing in all this. There's no obvious answer in the border crisis. And there's not, I mean, for one, we shouldn't signal to people to come here. That would be great because then we wouldn't have, you know, these people all confused. We saw earlier in the year when there was an influx, people were interviewed and they said, why did you come? And they said, well... Biden said he'd let us in. And so that was the message that was kind of spreading around that, oh, they're just going to welcome everyone in. So um, so you have that going on. and But the the frustrating double standard trays, we often kind of address some of these double standards. But this one's glaring. I mean, it was just a few years ago. AOC and others were posing for pictures outside of border facilities crying. And now yeah. AOC is more interested in spending time at the Met Gala in a tax the rich dress. So, um, you know, do, do you care about these people or not? Yeah, and there seems to be a pattern here, right? Like we, uh, the the White House signals, well, when when Biden assumed office, the White House signals were opened out <laughs> to to uh, immigrants. Come on, you know, come come cross the right. border, uh, and then 
when that happens, they're, well, I don't know why all these people showed up at the border. I mean, they, they, we're <laughs> right. going to deport them. Um, and uh, and then, you know, the White House signals this about Haitian uh, migrants. And then, well, I don't know why all these people, all these migrants from Haiti are at the border. That just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and I, I just, like you said, Dan, it's the, the sudden silence when it happens, when they continue with the deportations, uh, or, or the crisis, you know, spins out of control when there's a, a certain person in office, uh, and and nobody says anything. When it's a different person in office, and the same yeah. thing happens, uh, everybody has has two cents to throw in <laughs> or more. Um, so, and then as far as the moral side of this, I have to wonder: is it all that much more moral to signal we're going to let you in, and then when they get here, turn right. them around and send, send them, them back? back. Yeah. Uh, it seems to me that that's more egregious <laughs> yeah. than just being up front to begin with. Yeah, false hope. Um, but, you know, who am I? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, hopefully just as a Christian, though, you know, seriously, I, yeah. I, we just have to be in prayer for these these migrants because they're fleeing a pretty bad situation to be willing to do what they're doing to get to where they are. Uh, so we just need to remember the the human aspect on all sides of this as believers. Absolutely. So, all right, story number four. So over the last few years, actor Christopher Palaha has become more outspoken about his Christian faith, and we talked to him recently about that. So here are three things you need to know. We'll start number one with the details. So our conversation with Chris was really broad. He was very generous with his time, and you'll be able to watch the full interview on our Faithwire and CBN YouTube channels starting tomorrow. So Chris is known for Wonder Woman 1984, the Hallmark movie series Mystery 101, Tim Tebow's faith-based movie from a few years ago called Run the Race, and he's also in the upcoming Jurassic World Dominion, uh, which comes out next year. Uh, we're going to share, share just a few minutes of our 30-minute conversation. Here, he talked about how COVID made people more aware of just how short life is. Uh, and he said that he can't help but share his Christian faith, noting he's even had the opportunity to share the gospel through the Roman road uh, with some of his fellow celebrities. So here's a part of our conversation. And when you're on a set and you start talking, you know, very quickly, the conversation can run dry. Like there's only so much acting you want to talk about. There's only so much politics you can or want to talk about. And then eventually, if, you know, you're on set long enough, the conversation turns to life and death. And I think the question about our faith really comes into play when we start considering our mortality. Mm -hmm. Like if we're just, if we're just living for today, then why bother with faith? You know, because it's about getting everything that you need immediately right now, what you want, when you want it. But the minute you pump the brakes on that mindset and look at your life as this very fleeting sort of passage from birth to death and know that we're going to die. And we don't know. That's the crazy thing about life. And I think what, that's what COVID has been such a stark reminder of. And I think that's why it's been so terrifying for so many people, but also this amazing epiphany for so many other people is that COVID was this stark reminder that death can come at any moment and the whole yeah. world as we know it can shut down and shift on its access like without any kind of warning and so what does that beg it begs the question either there's this God in the universe that loves us that cares for us and the story is real and he brought Jesus to this earth and he showed us the way and through him we can have everlasting life or not <laughs> and it's just totally random and it's chaos 
Yeah. So if you choose to believe in order, and if you choose to believe in love, and if you choose to believe in that truth, your life becomes a very different thing. And, and that conversation becomes unavoidable. Like it just, it starts to happen on set. My mission has always been to be, you know, I, I used to think about being an actor and, and there's a lot of people, it's funny, I'll do something and I'm sure I'll, I'll be in shows or movies that people are like, wait a minute, he is a Christian. How can he be a part of that? That doesn't make any sense to me. But I think that first and foremost, you know, I'm a Christian, that's who I am what I am is an actor. My job is an actor. I'm not a Christian actor. I'm an actor who is a Christian, right? So I'm going to do jobs where I'm showing what it looks like to not have Jesus. And it's really actually a, a fun character. Like a part of my character study is, is this guy a Christian? What kind of Christian is he? Is he, you know, is he a real conservative by the book rule guy? Is he a liberal guy? Like what kind of like, or is he not a Christian at all? And then if that's yeah. the case, what's his mindset? And that becomes a really fun aspect of character building. So for me, it's another tool. Um, but in that, I kind of sidetracked myself, but in that when you're sitting on set, like Hollywood became my mission field and not to, not to you know, try to convert people, not to, although, you know, I've prayed some, I've prayed the walk with people, the Roman road with people, but like, it's really just to be a seed layer. Like, mm. you know, like, if I can have a conversation that makes somebody stop and think for a minute, and I know that that person's on a path that's leading down a very dark road and I can shine light into that life by sharing the truth with them. That to me is the win. Like, yeah. you know, I've actually sat down and I've been like, Hey, do you want to meet Jesus? And I've prayed, you know, I've, I've, I've done that with some actor friends of mine too, but like, that's not my main goal. My main goal is to be like Johnny Appleseed and just like plant seeds, plant seeds, plant seeds. And then yeah. also <clears throat> like you two or Johnny Cash. I mean, there've been a lot of entertainers who had something um, that was very attractive to the world. But then when you dig in and you understand what they believe or what they're rooted in, you realize that, that you know, Jesus is at the center of it all. And you're like, oh, that's cool. Like, I didn't know that. But, and I'm, and I've always kind of, you know, I've gotten a little, a little more verbal, obviously talking with you guys, like I've gotten a lot more verbal about my faith than I was even five yeah. years ago. Um, but at the end of the day, I want to be, you know, people used to say like, you want to be a movie star? I'm like, I kind of rather be the sun. Like, I mean, the moon, like reflect the sun's light. <laughs> if I can do yeah. that, then I'm good. To go. And I think, and I, I, I have no other choice, but to, but, but to honor my maker, like he gave me all of the giftings that I have, he's like, I, I'm, I'm built the way that I'm built because of God. I have the gifts that I have because of God. I've been introduced to the people and put into places that I've been put into because I believe that God has orchestrated, you know, all of it. And so for me to like, try to keep something from God, which is frankly what I was doing, I think. I think yeah. if we really cut to the story, when I was 17, that's when acting started to really become its own, I guess, if you want to say idol or God in my life. And that was that choice of like, well, do I choose God? And maybe he doesn't want mm -hmm. me to be an actor or do I choose this? And maybe I get to have my own you know, yeah. greatness. I can make my own story. Um, and I think, I, I mean, I can recall back in 2016, it was not that long ago when I just said, you know, Lord, I want you to have all of it. Take yeah. all of it. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of trying to control things. I'm trying to like, I, cause I'll pray and I'll say, Lord, take my kids, keep them safe. I'll pray for them. I'll give, I'll give God my marriage. 
I've given up my finances. I'm like, Lord, like my money is your money. Do what you need with it. Help me when I make it, I'll make it. When I don't, like it's, it's in your hands. But yeah. for whatever reason, my career was always like greedy about it. I wanted to have this little precious thing. I don't know what I was after, but yeah, I've long let that go. <laughs> All right. So number two here, uh, just a great conversation, by the way. Uh, and that is just mm. a few minutes of it. Uh, but there's, like I said, there's about 30 minutes. Uh, we talked about a whole host of issues. Uh, but Chris also talked about his childhood. He told us that he grew up in a house that was, quote, filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, his dad was a devout Catholic and his mom was a born again Christian. In high school, though, he said he struggled with pride uh, and sort of drifted away from his faith. He told God that he was just going to take, quote, a break <laughs> uh, for about six months. Yeah. Uh, and he told us that that turned into six years. Uh, but God, God just kept nudging him and pulling him back toward himself. And mm. Chris talked about several of those instances when God just kept calling him back to faith. Uh, he talked about several of those during our interview. Uh, so number three here, why does it matter? Like, it's so great, Dan, to see celebrities like Chris Palaha who are you know, in Hollywood uh, and they see it as a mission field. They don't see it as just something that's awful and, 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 you know, deplorable and, yeah. and can't be fixed. He sees it as a place where he can make a positive impact, a place that he said he can plant seeds uh, that the Holy Spirit can then water. So it's just a great reminder that there are all kinds of, of really awesome things happening. A lot of really great people in the world. Uh, we just have to look, you know, I think a little bit harder these days to find those stories because they get buried under all of the, all of the junk that, that clutters yeah. our social media channels. So be sure to catch the full interview. Like I said, starting tomorrow uh, on both Faithwire and CBN news. Yeah. Always, always good to see a little bit of a light in Hollywood because yeah, you know, you can get so turned off to it because it's just such a, you know, empty place at times. So it's good to know that not everyone there is uh, a soulless heathen. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So anyway, all right, that's a great interview. Thank you, Trey, for that. So that's all the time we have for today. Uh, as always, head on over to CBN and faithwire.com for more news from a Christian perspective. We'll be back here tomorrow. God bless. See you then. <laughs>